This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Our subject today is finding life's highest happiness. The month of June is the month which we think of traditionally as a time that is ascribed to brides, a month which is often thought of as the beginning of the summer season also. This is a time when many people are taking vacations, when people are out looking for some relaxation and some enjoyment. That's great. I think God wants us to do that. There's a scripture verse which might be used uh, at, we're talking about weddings, Somebody said rather pessimistically, if you want to have some Bible verses in the wedding, I have some suggestions of a scripture verse. For the, for the, the couple, you could use this verse, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> How cynical. Uh, others have suggested some music that might be used in a wedding. For, for the groom, have the groom's song could be achy, breaky heart. <laughs> and for the, for the bride's song, they could sing, ready to suffer grief or pain. Well, it's been said that uh, all these cynical things are, are not the way marriage is supposed to be, and that's true. You may have heard that uh, when the poet John Milton became married, he wrote his immortal work, uh, Paradise Lost. He was now married. But uh, he lost his wife through death. And then he wrote, Paradise Regained. Well, all these expressions are not what God wants us to have, surely, as far as marriage is concerned. But the Bible does have something to say to us all about how we can find real happiness in life. The secret to happiness, the highest happiness, if indeed it's a secret at all, comes not from our own experience in life, but rather from Jesus and his life. When Jesus stopped one day at a well where he talked with some women, a woman rather, he found there. His disciples went on to the city to buy some food. They hadn't eaten in a while. So Jesus talked with this woman for quite some time. And later, after she had left to go back to the city, his disciples returned to him, offering him some meat they had purchased. Well, let's pick the story right up there, and let me read just a few verses of Scripture. John chapter 4 I'll begin with verse 27. The disciples returned about this time and were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But none of them asked him what he wanted or why he was talking with her. The woman left, left her water jar and ran back into town. She said to the people, come out and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Everyone in town went out to hear him. What amazing story this was. That's just a few verses of that story. John chapter 4. Another translation has that last verse in these words. Jesus said, uh, when he said, the disciples said, you've already must have, must have had some food somewhere. Jesus said, no, my food is in doing the will of him that sent me and finishing the work he has given me. What is he talking about? He's already had food, 
and it was not something he ate with his mouth. They, they didn't really take that in. A great preacher of years ago, John Redhead, says that happiness comes from three sources of three kinds. First is pleasure. This comes from the satisfaction of our physical senses in the world around us, such as a good meal, a warm stove, clean sheets on the bed. There's a second source of happiness, and that's joy. This comes from association with other people when others speak well of you, or maybe when your friends compliment you. You know about that kind of happiness, joy. A third kind, though, is what might be called blessedness. And this has its source in our relationship with God. This third kind of happiness, or blessedness, is what I would call life's highest happiness. I would call it this because this kind of happiness can come only from God. It's a kind of happiness that no person can give and no person can take away from us. I want us to think just for a few minutes as we look at these verses from John chapter 4, divided into a couple of parts. This is in verse 34, the last verse of, of this section. After we look at each part of these, and I want to make one conclusion before we stop. The first thing Jesus said to those disciples when, when they came back with food and he re rejected it, he didn't need it. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus knew something which was true, which we ought to know also is true. And that is when we do the will of God in our lives, then we have real blessedness. We find quite a bit of this throughout the whole pages of the Bible. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Paul, the apostle, said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament, said that his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. That's when he said, when I said, I will not speak in his name. Amos, the old sixth century prophet, said, The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy or preach? When God comes to a person, he makes known his will to that person. He leads no person down a dark alley for the purpose of abandoning that person. He lures no person away and then deserts us without any guidance. If we ever lose our way, it's because we have not followed God and His way as we should. There was an old man who prayed once in a Welch revival. His prayer went something like this. Lord, I got among the thorns and the briars. I was scratched and I was torn and bleeding. But Lord... It's only fair to say that it was not on your ground. I had wandered out of your pasture. Jesus was doing the will of God when he spoke with this despised woman of Samaria. This was something which seemed to be so small, yet it was a great thing, at least to that woman. God wants us to do his will in the little things of life as well as in big things. Jesus said, my food is in doing the will of him who sent me. Another thing 
Jesus said, my food is to accomplish his work. We place so much emphasis today upon success. We all want to be successful in all areas of our life. The psalmist said, I delight to do thy will, O God. The main accomplishment that we have to do in any work is not what the world might term success, but rather in doing the will of God. Oh, how easy it is to get caught up and let the measurement of others become confused with what God deems as our true measurement for success. God told Jeremiah, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you as you do your work. Jesus said that his food was to accomplish the work which the Father had laid out for him to do. You know, it's interesting to me to note that the same word is used here as the word which we find Jesus used on the cross when he said, it is finished. It is over. His task was completed. His work was accomplished. The King James Version renders this verb in the sentence as accomplishing his work. I personally like the translation that uses that word accomplish or finishing the work. My son is in his mid-50s now, but when he was just a little boy, I tried to instill in Jim the importance of when he started something, carry it all the way through. Don't start something and then drop it. Same thing applies to playing on an athletic team. If they're not winning, stay with it. Go all the way to the end. You've got to go through this season, and if you want to quit then, okay, but don't, don't quit in mid-season. That's the kind of thing I tried to... And so I used a little poem that I had heard when I was a child, and I taught this to my son. He even repeats this to me even now in these days sometimes. Here's, Here's what it says. When a task is once begun, never leave it till it's done. Be it great or be it small, do it well or not at all. Some of you know I like to work jigsaw puzzles on a dining room table at home. Now, I'm not one of these accomplished puzzle workers who will do 1,000 or two or 3,000 piece puzzles. I like to do a, a 300, 500 pieces at the maximum. And when we have grandchildren who come to our house, a lot of times they'll, they'll like to help me do the puzzles. Unfortunately, my wife Jane is not uh, fond of working puzzles on the table as the rest of us are. However, when the grandchildren are here and we're working a puzzle, we'll get that puzzle almost completed down to the last maybe three or four pieces that we haven't put in. And when we're that close to the end, the grandchildren will call Nana. Nana, we just can't finish this puzzle. It's too hard, they'll tell her. You need to come help us finish this puzzle. That's what they would always say. And so Nana would dutifully come over and take those three or four pieces. Sometimes it might take her five minutes, but anyway, (laughs) she'd take those pieces and she would finish the puzzle for us. That's what Jesus was talking about. Jesus didn't get started on something and then get tired of the struggle and quit. Jesus finished. 
And this sense of accomplishments was a great source of nourishment to him. That's what he was saying to those disciples when he met the woman at the well. Now, before we stop, let's put these two truths together. Make one conclusion and then we are finished. Jesus' food, his nourishment, was in doing two things. Doing the Father's will and second, finishing his work. I remember many years ago in our churches, we used to have what we call youth musicals. We'd have a youth choir and they would sing uh, a little musical, several songs in it that had been written. And uh, I remember one of those musicals had a song in it and the song was titled, The Journey Is My Home. This says that there's a sense of joy and fulfillment in the struggle in the moving toward our destination. Aren't you glad that God makes it to be rewarding as we go toward life's goals? If this were not so, some of us would really lose heart, I'm sure, when we uh, feel so often that we never have arrived. Yes, there's a sense of happiness that God gives to us as we move toward life's goals, which lie out ahead. But let's also couple that truth with the call of God to keep on moving toward that goal. There will be all those days of fulfillment, arriving at one goal, only to find out that there are more goals out ahead of us when we've accomplished one. Jesus found his food in both, in doing and in finishing. What brings you the greatest happiness in life? Jesus talked in this passage about food. I think food is a symbolic word here. It can be that which delights and truly satisfies the mind. I I know of nothing, for example, that delights and satisfies the mind as much as feeling deep down inside your heart that you're doing the will of God. There are lots of things in life that I really enjoy. Well, some of you know I enjoy a good meal or a visit with friends or family, maybe a restful night of sleep, and on and on. We could list a lot of things that bring us joy. But the highest happiness is found in doing God's will and in the fellowship with Him that such doing brings. When we run away from God's will, we run headlong into misery, although we may deceive ourselves for a while in thinking that We are happy outside of His will. I want to share with you a a story that came from a fellow pastor, a friend of mine, some years ago, actually. These are the words of his story. Late one blustery night, an elderly couple dashed out of the rain into the lobby of a small Philadelphia hotel hoping to secure a room for the night. But much to their disappointment, the hotel was totally full. There are three conventions in town, said the cheerful front desk clerk. I'm afraid all the hotels here are full, he said to the elderly couple. Couple started to walk away, totally disappointed, not knowing where they were going to go. And the clerk called them back. He said, but wait a minute. I can't send a nice couple like you out in the rain at one o'clock in the morning here. Let me, would would y'all be willing to sleep in my room, said the desk clerk. It's not exactly a, a suite, 
but it will make you comfortable for the night. The couple was flabbergasted. They were reluctant, actually, to take that man at his word and, and accept his offer. But he just insisted, don't worry about me. I'll, it'll, I'll make out just fine, he said. And they finally took his offer. When they checked out the next morning, the elderly gentleman said to the clerk, you are the kind of manager who ought to be the boss of one of the finest, best hotels in the United States. And the old man said, maybe someday I'll build one for you. Well, the man at the desk simply smiled and thanked the, the couple. Two years later, that hotel clerk received a letter from this elderly gentleman. It was a round-trip ticket in that letter to New York City, and also it contained a note. And the note reminded the clerk of that night he had helped that couple when he invited him to have his room, them to have his room. And though he had nearly forgotten that incident, he decided he was going to take that couple up on their offer to come to New York City. They met him at the station in New York, and they took him to the corner of 34th Street and 5th Avenue. The elderly man says, said, pointing up to a mammoth new building made out of reddish stone, he said, that is a hotel I have just built, and I want you to manage it. You must be joking, said the, the desk clerk after those two years. No, said the elderly man, I can assure you I'm not joking with you, said the gentleman with a smile. The elderly man's name was William Waldorf Astor. And that huge hotel building was called the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. That young clerk was George C. Bolt, the hotel's first manager. It's amazing sometimes when we see things like that that happen. And we know that God is working in our lives when we don't even know it's in the process. But God is right there with us, and that makes all the difference. Joseph Conrad tells in one of his stories about a young man named Sir Robert Stepford, who was commander-in-chief of one of the Admiral Horatio Nelson's ships. On one occasion, Nelson's ships chased all the way to the West Indies a fleet which was nearly twice the number of Nelson's ships. Describing that experience of hardships and the desperate adventure, Stopford wrote these words, We are half-starved, otherwise we are inconvenienced by being so long out of port, but our reward, we are with Nelson. Near the end of his earthly life, Jesus found something like that kind of reward in his fellowship with the Father. He knew that his friends would all forsake him. They would turn their back on him. In fact, read in John 16, verse 32, Jesus said, Behold, the hour cometh, yes, and now has come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. It was enough for Jesus to know that 
He was still with the Father. The Father was with him. How do we find life's highest happiness? Real blessedness comes through doing the Father's will and through fellowship with him that this will of the Heavenly Father brings. Oh God, help us to be true, to be faithful to the call of a loving God who has given us the ability and the command and the the charge to go out and let others know about your son Jesus. Lord, we want to have happiness. All of us desire happiness. And we pray that we might not be deceived by the world's offer of happiness. It's, It's so appealing to many people. But we know sin takes a high polish, but is very shallow. So may we not give ourselves, we pray, God, just to that which is not in your will, but day by day we can find joy and real soul contentment in doing your will. Even as Jesus said to his disciples with that woman at the well experience, my food is doing the will of him who sent me. Thank you, Lord, for being with us as we seek to follow your leading day by day. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen.